Well, good morning. My name is Julie, and I'm one of the pastors here at Faith. It is good to be with you this morning. If you are new or visiting with us or uh, even watching uh, through live stream, we welcome you this morning, and it is, again, good to be together. I, uh, I love that, that uh, the drama. Thank you so much to the drama team. Uh, I, I, so many things have, have gone through my mind in preparing this message about being present in our presence, right? Because there's a couple different ways that we can look at presence. Uh, it's being present here in church. So thank you for being here this morning uh, in worship, but then also how we're present with God. And uh, I, I pray that this is a time uh, where we have a, a tuning of our ears, uh, an opening of our eyes, and an openness of our heart to receive what it is that God has for us this morning uh, in worship. One of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about what it means to be uh, present uh, in worship in church, I went back to my teenage years. And I, I grew up with some Catholic friends, and uh, <clears throat> that may be uh, your story as well. And I remember uh, that they would go to Mass either on Saturday night, typically it was Saturday night, and they would go in the church and they would get a, a program, and then they would walk back out. I don't know if any of you had any friends like that, right? And then when mom and dad said, did you go to Mass? Did you go to church today? Yes, I did. Here's the proof, right? Here's the proof. So, uh, so again, present, present in attendance, but also present with God. We've come this morning seeking him, and the beautiful thing is that he is here with us this morning. Uh, I have been uh, starting out some of my uh, messages with jokes, and I'm doing this in an effort to, whoo, take a breath. It's good to laugh in church, isn't it? Okay, you ready for this morning's? Okay, we're going to try this again. God is uh, talking to one of his angels. And uh, the angel says, do you know what I've, or he says, do you know what I've just done? I've created a 24-hour period of alternating light and darkness on earth. Isn't that good? And the angel says, yes, but what will you do now? God says, I think I'll call it a day. <laughs> All right, one more, one more. Little Philip uh, was walking home in the rain with his mother following Sunday worship. It finally stopped raining uh, as they rounded the corner, and where, to their surprise and delight, appeared a vivid double rainbow in the sky. Doesn't it look like an artist painted this rainbow, his mother said. I bet God painted it just for you. Yes, replied Philip. God did it, and he did it left-handed, confused. The mother asked him, what makes you say that God did this with his left hand? Well, said Philip, we learned in Sunday school that Jesus sits on God's right hand. <laughs> the Father welcomes you to his house this day as we continue uh, in his word. The, uh, this morning we're going to look at Philippians 3 verses 1 through 4. We're going to have it up on the screen and I encourage you to read along uh, and listen as you hear these words. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't, remind, I don't mind repeating what I've already written to you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. For we already experience heart circumcision and we worship God in the power and the freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with all my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was so impeccable. 
There is so much uh, in this, this passage. And I want to start with that last verse. We are fixated on what we become at a young age, right? It happens when we're a young age. What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, where do you want to go to college? Uh, how many co-ops or internships have you had? Where was your first job? How fast did you move up the ladder? And we tend to focus on uh, who we become rather than who we are. We lose sight of who we are. And we spend our lives becoming. And for some, when we retire, we have to rediscover all over again who we are. I want to share some quotes with you. These go back some 30 years, and these were rising stars at the time. Uh, the first one I want to share, uh, she says, I discovered that I didn't feel worth a darn and certainly not worthy of love unless I was accomplishing something. And I suddenly realized I had never felt I could be loved for just being. That's Oprah Winfrey some 30 years ago. Another is, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. That's always been pushing me, pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. And my struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. It's from Madonna. And the third one, I had no idea who I was or what I could be away from tennis, says Chris Everett. Some of you may remember her recalling the final years of her career. I was depressed and afraid because so much of my life had been defined in by my being a tennis champion. I was completely lost. Winning made me feel like I was somebody. It made me feel pretty. It, it made me uh, feel hooked on the, like a, a drug almost, she says. And I needed the wins. I needed the applause in order to have an identity. Again, Chris Everett sharing uh, what it meant to be who she was. And for pastors, I, I hear this a lot of times. For pastors, if you live for the praise, you'll die from the criticism. If you live for the praise, you'll die from the criticism. You see, we look at life uh, with what we achieve versus what we receive. We're good at achieving, aren't we? We're driven. We're living in a world uh, that, that tells us to be successful. You've got to be driven. Uh, I don't know about you uh, in, the, in the business world, but I have been assessed to death, right, with all of these different personality tests, strength finders, Enneagram, DISC, Myers-Briggs, and now this process communication tool. And I don't know about you, have you some of you have, have had these um, different assessments, but I'm sick of knowing about myself. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want to take one or more of these tests, right? Uh, but we do these things to better understand ourselves so we can achieve more and become more effective. We have strategic plans. We have smart goals. Our calendars and our planners, they dictate our lives uh, so that we can have the most effective use of our time and our abilities. We live in a world of distraction, <clears throat> TV, internet, cell phones, and we don't talk to each other anymore. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but we really just don't talk, around, talk to each other anymore. You know, just look around. Uh, it, it's always amazing to me when you go out to dinner and you see uh, families on their cell phones. I am not uh, a big TV watcher. Uh, a lot of times I'll go an entire day or two days without even turning it on. Uh, but I've gotten hooked on this TV show. It's called The Amazing Mrs. Maisel, and it's through Amazon Prime. And um, it's set in 1958. And I, again, it's just kind of a mindless uh, thing that I'm enjoying right now. And there's this uh, scene in the show where the dad, who is uh, played by Tony Shalhoub, 
Some of you may remember him from Monk. And he's sitting at the kitchen table, and he's uh, reading the, the newspaper. And his wife comes in, and, and she proceeds to tell him how she's not happy, she feels unneeded, she feels unheard, and that she's leaving, and she's going to go to Paris. And the whole time he's reading this newspaper, he's like, uh-huh, 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 okay. And, and so anyway, of course, what does she do? She goes to Paris, and their adult daughter is living with them at the time, and she comes home, and, and where's, where's mom? You know, where, where's mom? Where did she go? And then he recounts what uh, she told him sitting at the table, and she's like, what are you talking about? So the whole time um, that, that he's um, <clears throat> hearing her, he doesn't listen. So how many times in life are we hearing something, but we don't listen? We have to learn to be present, not only with each other, but with God, but with God as well. We need to be better at receiving, and we have to be present in order to receive. I I shared this uh, story a couple of years ago. This was probably about three years ago, and I was on a a silent retreat. Uh, I was with a group uh, at the seminary. We were up at a um, Jesuit retreat uh, center, beautiful setting. And uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't talk, right? So it was a time of silence. You could read, but you couldn't have headphones in. And I thought, okay, well, that lasted a couple of hours. I thought, oh, my gosh, I like to talk, right? And I like to listen to music. And uh, so at any rate, I found a place in this beautiful garden and set up my chair and uh, reading scripture. And all of a sudden, this hummingbird comes over to me. Oh, it was just beautiful. I mean, it came up close. And again, you know, I know I've shared this. For those of you who've heard it again, I just want you to hear this. So this hummingbird comes up, and it was God saying to me, Julie, you're just like this hummingbird, constantly moving, constantly moving. And some of you might be able to relate with that. But sometimes we just need to slow down. We need to turn it off, and we need to be present with God. You see, we can't, we can't hear him when we've got all this other stuff going on. This past year, um, I have taken time every day to be in the Word, right? And how God is speaking to me through His Word. And you would think, oh, well, that's normal. All pastors do that. I'm like you guys. It's, there's a million things going on, right? And it's carving out that intentional time just to be still and to be quiet with God and to connect with God, to be able to hear his voice. I was uh, introduced to this illustration of the semicircle. I believe we're going to have an image up there. And I just love this. This really spoke to me. Um, It's this idea, this this pendulum, right? And, And the way that pendulum swings. On the one side, we've got the rest, and then the other side, we've got work. And we're never meant to be fully just on one side or fully on the other. But one of the things that uh, that I have found is that I can be my best self if I take that time to rest, to abide and spend that time with God uh, through quiet time, through reading scripture, but also listening to what it is that he has to say to me. So how do we balance this rest and this work? Because if your pendulum's over on work all the time, you can't, you can't sustain that. You cannot sustain that. Uh, Many of you know what that's like uh, to be on the end of all work and no rest. Uh, Some of us have had work retreats. I I, I just think we we have just botched that word, haven't we? A botched botched work retreats. They're really not retreats. It's not a retreat. You go to, you create goals, you brainstorm strategies, uh, you spend endless hours together, and you go home exhausted. And we've lost sight of what it means to actually retreat. We can't do our best work if we don't take time to rest and renew and to sit in God's presence. For some of us, again, we look at this image and we're like, okay, this this makes sense. I can understand while I'm distant from God, 
right? Why isn't God speaking to me? Why aren't I hearing him? You're out, of, you're out of balance. You're out of balance. I love this uh, quote. It's from Dallas Willard. Uh, he says, if you don't come apart for a while, you'll come apart after a while. Ooh, it's good stuff, isn't it? It's that pendulum. That's that pendulum. How are we living uh, in rest and in, in abiding in God? Uh, a book that I uh, recently have read, uh, it's called Invitation to Retreat, actually about halfway through it, Ruth Haley Barton, uh, a fantastic author, author can't talk. Um, again, a, a new book that just came out, and she talks about uh, this idea of retreat, this idea of retreat and how uh, it relates to the military. And, and we know if we think, and I'm not a military person, so don't quiz me afterwards, right? Um, but, but we know that retreat often refers to a, a tactic uh, approach that troops use when they're, when they're losing too much ground and when they're tired and ineffective and, and their current strategy isn't working. And troops pull back. They pull back and they have some distance between themselves and the battle line. They retreat, right? Retreat. And some of us may feel like we're on the battle line. Some of you sitting here today may feel like you're on the battle line. And it's okay and it's good to step back, to take a break, and to regroup. The military now calls it strategic withdrawal. Don't you love it? Strategic withdrawal. So where do you need to practice strategic withdrawal in your life? From the busyness, from the culture, from other people's expectations, from our own compulsions, or maybe even, uh, you might even be in a season of redirection. Some of us have battle wounds, tiredness, Exhaustion is real. In our humanists, we, we push on, right? We move forward, we keep going. But what we really need is a strategic withdrawal. It's in the withdrawal moments that we encounter Jesus. To sit at his feet. To, to share our burdens with him. Our aches and our pains, our joys, our thanksgivings. Not only uh, to hear what he has to say, but to listen to what he has to say. Paul continues on in Philippians. My passion is to be consumed with him, not clinging to my own righteousness, based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will come, will be his, based on faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully, and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. And I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience a complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I love this last, this, uh, la this verse 10. Um, verse 10, I want you to hear it again. Hear this again. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me not only to know jesus more but to receive and experience his power and to draw close to him to draw close to him uh, each week we've been uh, having a memory verse and we're going to do a little exercise. Again, if you've uh, got your cell phone, I want to encourage you to take that out now. We're going to uh, go ahead and log our memory verse for this week. Uh, you want to go to the Faith Community app. I know you all have it on your phone, right? And you're going to go under the uh, Sunday worship 
and there's a place for worship notes, and it's going to have a, a key memory verse or a, a key scripture uh, in there. So you want to go ahead and put this address down, Philippians 1, 9 through 10. That's going to be our memory verse for this week. I pray that you guys have been doing that, uh, that you look at that at least throughout the week, that it, that it gives you encouragement that God speaks to you with whatever uh, he's given to us on Sunday morning. So Philippians 1, 9 through 10, let's go ahead and lift our voices as we say this together. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I pray for this all the time. Lord, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me insight so that we can best discern every day we have decisions that we have to make. So I pray that uh, as you leave this place and as you go into your week, you know, the decisions that you make, pray this, pray this uh, memory verse that we have out of Philippians to ask God to, to guide you, to give you the insight and the knowledge that you're going to need to do what you need to do. Invite him into your life. Uh, last Sunday I had uh, mentioned... Uh, that we're going to have the opportunity for baptism uh, next Sunday. Sean had mentioned uh, we're going we're gonna to uh, bring the pledge cards back, so I want to encourage you again to take those with you. Uh, but it's more than just uh, Pledge Sunday. It's, it's this opportunity that we have to say to Jesus, we're all in, we're all in with our prayers, our witness, our service, um, our giving, that we're all in, all of us. And Jesus was all in for you, and he was all in for me by dying on the cross so that we would have eternal life. And as followers, as believers of Christ, one of the ways uh, that, that, that we visibly uh, show that commitment that we have of the grace that he's working inside of us is through baptism. And uh, we just recently have acquired a, ba a baptistry, uh, so we're going to have the uh, ability to do immersion baptism. So I just want to uh, ask you that you would prayerfully consider uh, a baptism if you have not been baptized. We're also, for those of us that have been baptized, we're going to have the opportunity to reaffirm our baptism, right? To remember who we are in Christ. And so there'll be a couple of different ways that we can do that. But if you have not been baptized and are interested in that, I would just want to encourage you uh, to reach out uh, to me. You can contact the church office. You can email me, and I would love to meet with you this week. Uh, or if you're say, you know what, I'm not ready to do it this Sunday, this next Sunday, then we can uh, do it at another time. But reach out to either Tim or myself because we would love to talk to you more uh, about making that, that commitment in your life. So our, our challenge this morning is, where do you need to be more present with those around you? And where do you need to be more present with God in your life? Where do you need to be more present with God in your life? I want to share a passage with you. It's from uh, Mark 10. And uh, it's an encounter that Jesus has with a, with a blind man named Bartimaeus. So I just want you to uh, let this uh, wash over your soul as I uh, share these, these words with you. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, as Jesus and his disciples, uh, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth who uh, was walking by, he began to shout. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and many who were around this man, they rebuked him. And they told him to quiet down. Hush, quiet down. And then he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped 
he stopped right where he was and he, and he called for the man to come. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This morning we're going to practice an, an exercise of practicing the presence of God. So I want to invite you into this time. If you could just close your eyes and we're just going to have a, a moment of, of total silence as we seek him this morning. So I want you to position yourselves again. Put your, 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 your uh, back up against the back of the chair. Have your feet on the ground. Take a, a breath in and a breath out. And if you can, extend your hands up, your palms up to receive God this morning. Allow yourself to just be in this moment. I want you to imagine yourself in the crowd as Jesus is in your midst. What emotions do you feel? How do you try to get his attention? Jesus sees you. And now you are face to face. And you have his full and complete attention. Jesus says to you, what do you want me to do for you? Just sit with that question as Jesus meets you here this morning. What is it that you need from Jesus right now? As you tell Jesus what you need in this moment, he grants that to you this morning and receive what he is giving to you in this moment, the power of his presence. Receive it. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us in this moment this morning as we seek you with all that we are. We receive the blessings that are coming down in this moment flood this place with your peace with your glory why don't you join me for a time of prayer as you sit postured before the king Jesus we long for your presence and we, we often are in the midst of the crowds and the chaos of life and we never speak out or call for you. In our weakness, Jesus, be our strength. In our busyness, may we exercise a strategic withdrawal to come and to sit with you where we are experiencing fear or sadness or loss or uncertainty. Let us be covered with the peace 
your peace. Let us take off our masks that we wear to hide our feelings and allow ourselves to be seen and fully loved and fully accepted by you. We come this morning not to achieve, but to receive this day. And we come before you as your children to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples. Won't you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 